0: I'm sure you've all heard this story a number of times. Perhaps one of the best well-known stories in the Bible there is out there. There was a man who had two sons. Of course, to have two sons, this man also needed to have a wife, at least at some point, right? Yet nowhere in the story do I ever get mentioned. The wife, the mother, I too had two sons. I know it might just be a minor detail. What authority or part did I really have to play in this story anyway? I'm only a woman. Everything back then seemed to revolve around the authority and power of men. But truly, we were both affected by this event, this happening, and we both loved our sons very much. Not in a Jacob or Esau sort of way, where we favored one over the other. But in a we love them both equally and differently as well as any parent can really sort of way. Which is why it was such a devastation, such a heartache, almost like a death, when our younger son came to his father demanding his share of the inheritance right now. He might as well have dug a hole right then and there and pushed him in, pushed us both in. I don't know how my husband remained standing. I felt like I got the wind knocked out of me. I was in such shock. But without missing a beat, he responded, didn't even look at me before saying to our youngest son, Fine, give me a few days, a couple days to figure it out. I'll have it for you then fine fine i couldn't believe my ears fine how could he say that so nonchalant like it was no big deal once our son left i couldn't begin asking i couldn't help but begin asking questions fine i asked him are you really fine with this are you really going to divide up your property You may have still many years left to live. This young, reckless, seemingly ungrateful child of ours wants to abandon us, and all you say is fine. You're just going to let him? My husband turned to me with tears in his eyes, looking so painfully pitiful, so horribly hurt, and all he could muster out was, what choice did I have? If his feelings are so strong, he's just going to keep at it. If that's how he feels about us, so disrespectful, why not let him go and see what it's like out on his own? I felt like I got the wing knocked out of me all over again. How, why? Yes, he was disrespectful, but just let him go. He's our baby, our child. Did we fail him that much that he could resent us so? Maybe he was right. Maybe we just needed to give this child his freedom. But it all felt so painfully wrong. And the day he left, it was like I lost a part of myself too. He didn't even turn back after he got his share. Took off with it as fast as he could and I kept hoping he'd give us one more glimpse, turn back one more time, as I stared so intently upon him until he disappeared into the horizon. Where would he go? What would he do? What would become of him? Would we ever see him again? My husband and I mourned for days. Even our elder son felt the pain, though he was much more visibly angry. And could we blame him? No, he walked away from all of us. He disrespected all of us, including his brother. Sure, they didn't always have the best relationship growing up. One was always jealous of the other at some point. Isn't that how it is with children? One of them has the rock that the other one wants. Next, it's the stick. One got upset over the other getting the last piece of bread, or they're arguing which piece is bigger, even when you cut it in half. But they had good times, too. Times of racing in fields together, chasing the sheep and the cows back into the pasture. They'd like to play tricks on each other, on the servants, even on us, laughing the whole time once it was accomplished. This leaving was painful for all of us. We just responded to it all in different ways, perhaps all a bit resentful as well from his actions. News began to fly in quicker than perhaps any of us wanted to hear or wanted to believe. He was wasting the money, the inheritance, a dissolute living. After a while, I just had to stop listening It became too painful on top of the grief we were experiencing to hear all about all he was doing, hear about his escapades. Then after a while, we didn't hear anything. News just stopped. As if he dropped off the face of the earth. As if this way of living was bad enough, we didn't know that it could get worse. What happened to him? Did this new lifestyle kill him? Did he run out of money? Is he begging on the side of the road? Was he taken in as a slave or captured in some way? We had no idea what happened to our son. My husband would sit by the window most evenings looking out over the horizon. Even early in the morning, sometimes I'd catch him staring off into the distance almost like he was refusing to give up hope, ever so hopeful for his son's return. That our son wasn't dead, that all would be okay in the end. And I tried to hold on to that hope too. But some days the weight would be too much. Some days it was just too hard to do anything, to even get out of bed. Our oldest son took on so much more responsibility, almost as if he felt like he needed to care for us as we grieved. I think it's how he dealt with his pain. Soon enough, it was like he was running the whole estate by himself, even taking on some work that never should have been his in the first place, but just wanting to make sure that everything was okay trying to keep everything else as much as okay as possible. I do believe it was too much of a burden and that he shouldn't have taken it on, but he insisted. Then one day I heard this yell. It was still early. I expected my husband to be at the window watching his usual routine, but by the time I looked around, he was gone. Nowhere to be found, but there's still this yelling. I began to get worried until one of our servants came to tell me my husband was running out to the road. For it appears our son had returned. Our son, could it be? And my husband, he was running? I didn't think he could still move that fast. What would the neighbors think? A grown man, adult father, running out to embrace this son of his who abandoned him. But our son, could it be? Was it really him? Was he alive? Did he return? I held my breath before turning to look toward the road, toward the horizon. My husband gazed at for months, what seemed like years. It was true. He was alive. He has come Back. I came walking back up the drive together. I couldn't wait to embrace him. But what was going on? By now a servant had come with a robe, a ring, and new sandals. Had we even heard a word of forgiveness from him? Repentance? What if he had come just asking for more money, demanding more so that he could go back out there, leave us again? Once they got to the house, I turned to say something to my husband, but he had such undeniable joy across his face, our son. For our son. And after the ring was put on our son's fingers, tears flowed down his eyes, almost as if he couldn't believe it either. My husband went off to begin making plans for a party. Kill the fatted calf, he said. Tonight we celebrate, for this son of mine who was dead is alive. He was lost and is found. As he went off to get the party started, I remained there embracing my son, my child. Tears filled us both as he told me about hitting rock bottom, feeding pigs and nearly starving to death. He told me how he came back to ask just to be a hired servant to earn his keep. Tears rolling down his face, and I could tell he still couldn't believe the welcome his father gave him, the running embrace, the ring, the robe, the sandals, all of it. He turned to me and asked me, how could he just welcome me back? Without even a full apology, I couldn't even get my words out before he embraced me, before he put a ring on my finger, robe, around me, and sandals on my feet. After all I had done, not just demanding my inheritance, but wasting it, how could he embrace me before I could even offer a word of repentance? How could he forgive me so easily after all I'd done? I had no words. With tears rolling down my face, all I could squeak out was love. Love and grace. He left to go help get the party going. And as he did, I turned towards the fields. Realizing this might not be as easy as it seems. And I said a prayer for our other son, knowing love and grace may not come as easy for him. I could see he was already on his way back. I went to find my husband to let him know, but before he could get out to talk to our older son, to tell him the good news, it was clear somebody else already filled him in. No doubt he heard music on his way back and saw the dancing as he got closer. No doubt he resented not knowing a thing about the party. And why? Why didn't we call him in sooner? Why did we let him remain out in the field while all of this was happening? I know we got caught up in our emotions, but I could feel the pain in his anger as I overheard him speak so harshly to his father. Listen, he said, for all these years, I have been working for you like a slave, and I never once disobeyed you. Yet never once did I get a party, not even with a young goat. But the son of yours who left you left us all Wasted everything on prostitutes, comes home, and you welcome him with a fatted calf? I didn't blame him for his anger. It was all true, but my husband, he paused a moment, looked him right in the eyes, tears again running down his face, and he says, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the love of a father, of a parent filled with mercy and grace, somehow willing to let go of their own resentment and pain when the one they thought was dead is alive, when what they thought they lost is found. What I found so profound in my husband's response, though, was how he didn't scold our older son. With as much grace and love, he allowed him to state his resentment, his pain, his anger. He didn't deny any of those feelings. He let them live into them, experienced them, accepted them. He recognized the hurt and the pain, and then he reminded him, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. But he says this is a moment to rejoice. It's a moment to embrace love and grace for this amazing thing has happened we need to celebrate for life has been found. And he sat with him for a while out there before returning to the party. And it was now our oldest son's choice to make. Would he welcome life? Would he offer love and grace? Would he come in and embrace the party? It's a question that we all have to ask ourselves from time to time in these moments in our lives where things don't seem fair, where someone is welcomed when perhaps we think they shouldn't be, when it seems like blatant sinful behavior is being overlooked, when the ones who have been there the whole time feel left out. In those times, I too have had to decide. Will I cultivate grace? Will I extend love? Will I recognize the grace and love that I have received myself? The times that I have been undeserving? Will I recognize the times I've chased after love, the heartbreak and the pain? Will it cause me to close my heart or will I open it further? Sharing love to those chasing after it, to those in need of it, of such deep mercy and grace. Will I cultivate grace in such a way that it welcomes life? And I can't answer those questions for you. But as you think them over for yourselves, may you be reminded of just how much grace has been freely poured over all of us. I think of the times God has run to welcome me home, embracing me with such love, I think of the times when God sat on the back porch with me, pleading for me to come in, lovingly looking into my eyes, inviting me into the party, offering grace upon grace upon grace, giving up the only Son on the cross with his arms wide open, ready to embrace me, to embrace all of us, before we even changed our ways before we even repented and asked for forgiveness. Sitting in the garden in the upper room, the road to Emmaus speaking words of peace and love, before any even apologized for completely deserting him. Grace upon grace upon grace, poured out for you and for me and for the whole world. Amen.